You Want It Darker by Ms. Chunks. Chapter 45 Separation Anxiety Summary Aizawa runs up a long list of people he owes big time. The guard, Toto, is a little easier to take seriously after he's slipped through the ceiling and rooted out Aizawa and Hitoshi like a couple of deeply buried splinters. Turns out the scruffy bodyguard is good for more than giving dirty looks after all. He goes for Hitoshi first, which is a reasonable thing for a trained professional to do in this situation. Knowing what Hitoshi's quirk is, or thereabouts, means knowing the kid's toothless if someone doesn't respond to him. The kid parts another obvious one. Hitoshi's just 16, as Aizawa had conspicuously bellowed at Toto earlier. Even if Hitoshi can handle himself, he's still vulnerable in a situation like this, which makes him a chink in Aizawa's armor. Because even if this sort of space, even in this short space of time, it's already been made abundantly clear where Aizawa's duty of care runs concerning Hitoshi. Hitoshi's much closer to Toto than Aizawa is to either of them as well. Because, while Aizawa was busy checking out Dr. Shinso's sex tape, Hitoshi attended to the mysterious puddle of liquid solid falling through the ceiling. Toto's dressed in that black and red high-collared suit in the Embassy Hotel colors, which means his quirk presumably works on anything he's touching as well, like Hitoshi. So while it's perfectly rational for Toto to lunge at Hitoshi in an attempt to use the teen as a hostage, maybe even escape with him for greater leverage against the not-so-good professor. It's everything that happens after that's completely and utterly irrational. Aizawa leaps from where he's standing towards the pair of them like an involuntary spasm of every muscle in his body all at once, instinctively sending out a handful of his capture weapon that arrives in advance of the full force of his body slamming into Toto the second he reaches for Hitoshi. Hitoshi, for the most part, pulls out his own slippery act, evading Toto for just long enough that Aizawa would have made decent contact, if not for the fact that Toto goes not solid, not quite liquid again, the moment Aizawa's about to slam into him. Passing harmlessly out the other side of the jelly-wobbling guard before he snaps back into shape. This also means that the next thing Aizawa is due to hit with the full force of his mass launched like a boulder from a trebuchet, is the lead-lined wall now immediately in front of him. Aizawa smacks into the wall with the kind of thunk that would flatten a cartoon character's face, forming the shape of whatever object a mischievous critter struck them with in one of those American cartoons Hizashi loves. Reminding himself that the Shinso effect sometimes dictates Aizawa does the stupid right-now thing instead of the smart one, he shakes off the impact and then starts to charge back at Toto and Hitoshi. But this time, Aizawa grabs the person he knows isn't going to turn to putty in his hands. Yonking Hitoshi out of the fray like snatching a fresh fish from the stream, Aizawa hurtles back toward the end of the room with all of the screens, stopping himself and Hitoshi, scooping around the middle with one of Aizawa's tree branch arms from turning into glass-encrusted mincemeat by banging into the console table. The weight of their impact stirs the slumbering guard, who lifts his head with a groggy, half-mast eyes. 
as Zao was busy trying to disentangle all Hitoshi's spidery limbs from his own. Instead of clinging onto Aizawa like a baby monkey clutches its mother as she swings through the jungle canopy. So Hitoshi notices the guard before Aizawa does, gaze already trained on bleary little pig eyes by the time a confused, What the? falls from the man's drooly lips. You're just dreaming, Hitoshi announces as easily as rain falls from the sky. Go back to sleep. It's not a question barely even something for the guard to respond to. But whether it's by Shinso Quirk, or the mere effect of Hitoshi's presence alone, if any, distraction if any distinction between them even exists in the first place, the dupe's eyes close again, and he resumes snoring like a bandsaw. By this time, Toto has re-solidified and is looking extra pissed for being jumped through twice. But Aizawa is not making the same mistake again leaping at Toto this time with one more ace up his sleeve. He doesn't need the scruffy-bearded thug to do anything for Aizawa's quirk to work just fine. So the next time Aizawa comes flying for a guard named after a dog from the fucking Wizard of Oz, it's with his hand, it's with his hair fully raised like fur on a cat's back, his quirk firing a laser beam gaze like a sniper's rifle sights right at Toto's beardy, box-like face. Aizawa plows into Toto with a you-can't-use-your-quirk contact like he thought he wanted. Only Aizawa didn't expect, and is immediately very annoyed by, the small handheld taser that Toto uses to send a paralyzing shock of electricity through Aizawa's nervous system. Thrown off by the electric shock... Thrown off while the electric shock seizes Aizawa's whole body like jammed cogs churning up a handful of gravel. Toto regains his bearings faster and looms over Aizawa on the floor. However, no student of Aizawa's would ever be worth their salt without means to act beyond their quirk. So it's while Toto has his back foolishly turned to Hitoshi that a sole strip of capture weapon wraps around Toto's torso. The hyperreactive fabric is naturally drawn by heat, provoking, among other things, an easy inclination to loop around things it comes into con into proximity with, when they're warm. Aizawa's old favorite will wrap around most objects with the right coaxing, but there's something very instinctive about the way this particular bitch of a support item, in so many people's words, grabs hold of people in the right hands, which so far includes Aizawa's and Hitoshi's. He won't deny he's proud of the kid's progress. Aizawa's quirk is also still active on Toto, meaning there's no slipping the noose this time. With just a tug, Hitoshi locks the easy form loop of his capture weapon around Toto's chest, while Aizawa sends out a new strip of his own to wrap around Toto's ankles a moment later. Yanking in synergy, Toto simultaneously pulled from the top and bottom in opposite directions, spinning almost comically end-on-end -end as he's thrown spectacularly, spectacularly head-over-ass to slam onto the floor by the time Aizawa's back up on his feet. And Aizawa's quick, but so is Hitoshi, leaping into action while Toto is spread-eagled on his back and stamping on the guard's tasering hand at the wrist before it can rise up to strike again. The resulting noise of this scuffle wakes the other guard once more, perhaps not all that deeply asleep anymore, but Hitoshi's still ready with a cool, Actually, would you mind giving us a hand? This guy's gone a bit nuts, and we need someone to hold him down. 
maybe the guards befuddled, already dosed up on the intoxicating hold of Hitoshi's quirk. Or perhaps he's just a rube. Either way, after the preemptive silence of a response that would have been given and already wasn't, the next move the guard makes is in clumsy obedience of Hitoshi's request. A surge of relief rocks Aizawa like high seas. Thing with Hitoshi's quirk is, it's either gonna work completely or not at all, and the only way of knowing which is a split second where someone with their own willpower would have diverged from enacting Hitoshi's wishes. Right now, Hitoshi's wish is for the guard to help them restrain a furiously thrashing Toto. Aizawa keeps his unblinking stare trained solely on Toto, lest the slippery character escape with his quirk and call for reinforcements. Taking a couple of quick steps over with dry eyes beginning to itch, though he's held out much longer before, Aizawa's is only mildly uncomfortable as he advances on the restrained Toto and drops to his knees. We're actually going to need a few more minutes, Aizawa mutters with great satisfaction before he punches out the very solid Toto with a single strike to the temple. Rational or not, this guy tried to attack Hitoshi, and that puts him shit bottom of Aizawa's favorite people list. After a moment of consideration, and a tentatively crusty blink, Aizawa swings his fist at the other brainwashed guard, who is still diligently holding down the now unconscious Toto. Lights out for you too. Aizawa clocks the guard on the jaw, instantly belly flopping onto his colleague, for a much less subtle bout of forced sleep. At least Aizawa's hands-on method keeps him down for the keeps him down for sure this time. I could have done that. Hitoshi's comment is almost petty. His foot slipping off Toto's wrist to stand level, but his tone is more neutral than resentful, so that has to count for something. You already did enough. Aizawa takes a breath with sandpaper eyelids scraping across his cornea and searches for a bottle of eye drops in one of his many pockets. Which you can't tell anyone about, not even Sakachi. Especially not that goody two-shoes detective as it happens. Sakachi would undoubtedly have some kind of moral objection, and the least they owe the poor detective is to not compromise him with confessions of illegal activity that he'd be obliged to act on. Because it goes without saying that every part of this, start to finish, has been on the shady side of the law, using Hitoshi's quirk to such full potential included. Shame it works so fucking well. Aizawa's always worked in the shadows, and it's easier in an awful lot of ways, but also much higher risk with Hitoshi's total illegal involvement that Aizawa wouldn't give up for the world. Ah. And I was going to tell all my friends, Hitoshi lilts, thriving as usual in the midst of shit that would make most people break down or shut down. But that's why Hitoshi's going to be a great hero one day. So much resilience after the life he's had. Anyone thinking what Hitoshi and his ma have gone through would make them weak is desperately wrong and misunderstands what going through hell does to some people. Makes them tougher than nails to have survived and then thrive out of spite. Hitoshi's comment provokes Aizawa to wonder who the teen does count among his friends, any he still has after brainwashing his entire class in one fell swoop of the Shinso power at its most terrifying. There's a few people Hitoshi has met through this case that he's hit it off with too, one in particular. 
but it's not the same as true peers. Other heroes in training who could support and drive Hitoshi to achieve even more than Aizawa's best tutelage can impart. It's a lingering tick in Aizawa's subconscious. Every lesson given on the hero course widens the gap between Hitoshi and the rest of the Nezu-approved hero hopefuls that little bit more. No wonder Aizawa's methods to keep Hitoshi at least within the learning curve for the next generation of heroes are unorthodox. What choice does he have? Aizawa finally locates some eye drops and douses himself until his eyelids don't creak with rust anymore standing with sure purpose and blinking out the excess before training his gaze back on the paused screen of Dr. Shinso's hotel room. The footage shows two figures, sleeping at very opposite sides of the bed. Shioko hadn't wanted it like that, but the doc made it quite clear he didn't have the slightest inclination to cuddle in the afterglow. Affection is not the doc's strong point. No wonder Hitoshi grew up starved for healthy ways to express it. With a lurch in his gut like the after-effects of a bad box of convenience store sushi, Aizawa presses several buttons until it flicks back the live feed, conjuring up the image of a totally empty, blood-stained hotel room. Seems like they've disposed of the body as well, which Aizawa had possessed little appetite for inspecting anyway. He knows how these things are- he knows how these killings are going to go, and puzzling over the crime scene hasn't gotten them anything but more crime scenes to pick at like vultures on a carcass. Everything left in the hotel room is no more than what the doc wants them to see. To keep circle-jerking themselves by thinking they'll catch him by picking through the leftovers like a stalker going through their idol's garbage. No, Aizawa won't give Dr. Shinso the satisfaction. The security footage, at least, shows what the doc didn't want anyone to see. The raw, uncontrolled man taking an easy lay from a woman he doesn't like, much less trust, even after all she's done for him. Someone he's using no less than he used her as a child or teenager, albeit in different and sick new ways, as well as satisfying his curiosity about the deadly applications of their quirks. The deadly research is still ongoing, Based on, the doc, based on the way the doc watched Shioko mutilate a man just to see if she would. It's just, the part where the, it's just the part where they're fucking that's new. And nothing that starts this badly can ever end well. Not when they want such different things. Never clearer than the moment the doc ensures Shioko is asleep, then slips out of bed to go chase down his own murderous thrills in the early hours of the morning. As Awa watched forwards and backwards, how Dr. Shinso returned to an agitated Shioko, clearly angry and upset the doc left her alone. Because the cruel reality, never more apparent than during the appeasing makeup fuck and double murder that came afterwards, is that Dr. Shinso was never hers. Not even to begin with. Just pretending out of convenience and necessity. So never has Aizawa meant a mood more than his tired announcement, Let's get the fuck out of here. Fleeing the embassy via one of Aizawa's tried and tested rat runs, he and Hitoshi finally get out of the hotel via a garbage chute that drops at least three-fours uninhibited like zero-gravity slide. It's just as Aizawa remembers, or so he tells Hitoshi before they drop. 
as Ao stops them both from falling straight into the heat of the incinerator below with practiced ease. And Hitoshi only hesitates a little. But Aizawa still reckons they better not tell Kiki about that one. Their escape hatch is out of a ground-level vent that Aizawa does fit through, punching the grate off so it pops like a can being opened from the inside, crawling out and sprawling onto the street under a yawning sky. It's hotter today, and the billowing wind carries moist air and the promise of a storm. Hitoshi lands on Aizawa coming out of the vent after him. And Aizawa could pretend he resents being used as a crash mat, but the reality is he's used to it, and Hitoshi weighs next to nothing. Aizawa barely needs a hand, could do with a finger even, to get up and help Hitoshi to his feet at the same time. No words when their bodies do the talking. They've barely taken ten steps, scaled a security gate with some support from a strip of Aizawa's well-placed capture weapon, and then taken another ten steps more into the free world when a familiar cop car rolls by. Not the undercover speed freak vehicle Sakachi was perhaps foolish to leave in the bomb shelter basement, where it's now presumably being held as collateral, while Sakachi has hashes it out with that ferocious madam, who is no doubt as pissed as Sakachi is. The car this car bears the traditional police colors, and a driver behind the wheel Aizawa couldn't be happier to see, even if the feeling isn't mutual. You could have fucking warned me. Tamakawa is the cat who did not get the cream, and lets it show as he addresses them out the open driver's side window, with a cigarette hanging out the corner of his furry muzzle. It just kinda happened. Aizawa answers without excuses. He doesn't Aizawa answers without excuses he doesn't have to begin with, glancing at Hitoshi before making the split-second decision to get in the back rather than the passenger seat next to Tama. Proof of this being the right call, Hitoshi gets in the car after Aizawa and slides all the way to the middle of the back seat, almost as a matter of habit, though really the habit is more likely to be close to Aizawa. Aizawa certainly doesn't mind, comfortable with Hitoshi's naturally slouching weight next to him. Far better than not-close-enough alternative. Like the fear that grips Aizawa by the throat whenever he lets his mind flip back to that moment when Toto lunged at Hitoshi and Aizawa's body moved without thinking. The points where Aizawa does the kind of things that put his life on the line for the sake of keeping someone else safe. He's got plenty of scars to show for it. And Hitoshi just makes them even stronger, amplifies those already intense instincts until they're like nitroglycerin in a washing machine. Yeah, well... I had to leg it out of that shithole chased by half their security staff because you kinda just happened. Tama's words ring truer than he could ever fathom. Aizawa's whole chaotic existence seems to occur like a bout of freak weather. Sitting here elbow to elbow with Hitoshi, being what he is to Aizawa, while working this case, of all cases, is a gale force storm of proportions no weather equipment could ever have predicted but they're in it now, so it only makes sense to keep howling. I take it they weren't best pleased? Hitoshi remarks just to be smug, Aizawa thinks. They all know the answer, but rookies always like to hear things said out loud. The novelty that's worn off an old soul like Aizawa. Hitoshi might be a natural at this, but he's also greener than a fresh bean sprout, so now and again, okay, as much as he wants... Aizawa feels the kid deserves to be indulged. 
Yeah, they were just thrilled to have the pair of you running loose about the place. Tama coos like he's more pigeon than cat. They all know perfectly well that what Aizawa and Tatoshi did is exactly not what the stern-faced manager of the hotel wanted them to do. They just did it anyway. As bad as each other, it could be said. How about Sakachi? Hitoshi says with about as much genuine concern. How about Sakachi? Hitoshi says with about as much genuine concern in his tone as guilt, knowing he was partly to Aizawa's decision to screw the guy, to screw the good guy. Lucky thing, Sakachi can handle himself in the best of fixes. Oh, he's furious. Tama purrs. Aizawa can hardly blame the poor, lone detective having to clean up after their messes by the book. Thomas certainly had enough of the embassy's idea of hospitality for the boys in blue, so Aizawa reckons they both deserve one of Hisashi's nice imported whiskeys that he hoards like a dragon in that room of their apartment he thinks Aizawa doesn't know about. Fortunately for all, Sakachi's got a wealth of experience in following after Toshi with a mop and bucket all these years, so he knows about cleanup operations. Too bad for Sakachi, he just likes Aizawa less. The symbol of peace's PR boy in the police probably gets a lot more positive feedback standing behind All Might than he does for Aizawa's work, and he's not shy about letting it show, especially when they're knee-deep in a bloodbath like this. But Aizawa can't help any of that, and it doesn't make the work less important, just less glamorous. Tama flips his siren on to swing through a patch of traffic with undeniable cop perks and an inherent authoritative swagger as he informs Aizawa, Whatever it was, I hope you got what you needed. Yeah, Aizawa remarks with the fiery remains of yet another bridge burning behind him. Me too. There's no sign of Sakachi by the time Tama arrives back to the police station but the unfortunate detective's absence is to be expected, and probably for the best right now. Aizawa doesn't mind Sakachi's anger, of course, but a little time for Detective Kettle to come off the boil might be kinder on Hitoshi, who's less jaded than Aizawa, and more likely to be hurt if Sakachi genuinely fucked off with them. Even if it is for a perfectly good reason. Sakachi isn't the member of the police that Aizawa's after right now anyway. Not even Tama, whose company is always appreciated regardless, but seems to be a little ragged around the edges himself, still visibly ruffled after his unwanted river bath earlier today. The fact that Tama's still on the job at all says plenty about his dedication as an officer and to this case. Aizawa reminds himself of the several crates, plural, of beer, he should buy Tama when this is all over, too. So, what's next? Hitoshi asks, as they're getting out of the car in the secure parking lot, stretching for a moment in the beaming sunshine. The teen smiles and even waves at the frothing wall of the press kept at bay in the distance, desperate behind a high fence that seems to have been newly topped with barbed wire. Lenses pressing up against... Lensing, lenses pressing up against it anyway. And none of that bodes well, but at least the police are being careful, which is what Aizawa's trying to do, too, overriding his own reckless, I-can-pay-the-price instincts. To take every spear in his back and keep going like a bison, 
not to back down until he's drawing one of his maybe last breaths and thinking about the people he loves most. Kids aren't ready to do that, and adults shouldn't even do it either, so Aizawa's literally helping no one by pushing them on without a single moment of convalescence. That's why the first thing Aizawa wants to do, now they're back on police turf, is just stop for a minute and take a mental health check. It's been a fucker of a day, and it's not even five, which at least means is still going to be in her office. Those open hours for counseling anyone who need those open hours for counseling for anyone who need it seeming especially relevant right now. I want to check if Awaya is free. Aizawa announces real casual like at first, as if he's got no ulterior motive in mind, and this is just happens to be their next step. Maybe it feels to Hitoshi like they can't possibly stop for a moment to breathe, like it always does to Aizawa. But that's when people usually need to be encouraged the most. To be reached for when they're too locked into the spiral to reach out themselves. Aizawa knows the whirlpool all too well, and the least he can do is be the one on the other side, <laughs> for a change. The hand reaching out, rather than the one drowning. He needs to get better at that. Why? Hitoshi's suspicious, but if he senses what Aizawa's thinking... It's because he knows why it's a good call. Maybe Hitoshi can catch that in the mentalist wavelengths alone. So Aizawa reaches for Hitoshi on the frequency, tentative as he fiddles the dial until that familiar humming back in that hidden muscle in Aizawa's brain. Reaching for Hitoshi also means that Hitoshi can sense back the other way. So rather than keep his machinations out of sight, lessons already hard learned today, Aizawa flips the script and offers, Would you like to talk to her? And it, it's an impulse spit the truth moment, and Aizawa almost never spits, but he feels better for it already, cutting through the instinct to hold back, far more himself and less Dr. Shinso than anyone needs to be at this moment. It catches Hitoshi like a bunny staring down headlights. The, wait, what? of being denied the ability to protest something he refuses to be made to do by simply being given the chance not to do it. Probably not something Hitoshi's been given the chance to do all that much in the past. To simply say, no, I don't want what you want for me, and actually be listened to. But Aizawa's giving it to him now, in plain terms, and it's like Hitoshi doesn't know what to do with it. Periwinkle eyes wide, Hitoshi's mouth hangs very slightly ajar, and a non-committal noise begins to emit from it. A soft, uh, that finally translates into a tentative, uh, okay. When push comes to shove, Hitoshi knows what he needs better than Aizawa ever could, the same way anyone understands themselves more than the people around them do. So it's not telling Hitoshi what to do, just giving the kid a chance to choose what's good for him rather than pushing it anxiously on him the way a controlling parent tries to force their will on a child out of that persuasive, I-know-best logic. Hitoshi's definitely had enough of dominating parents. Aizawa doesn't need to join the ranks. It's up to you, Aizawa adds, just to be sure there's no unintended pressure or Hitoshi feeling like he has to say yes because it's Aizawa what I was, because it's what Aizawa wants. I just thought you might... 
but lifting that weight is a much-needed release, because Hitoshi's more sure, even confident of himself, as he interjects. It's cool. If she's free, I'll talk to her again. Good lad. Aizawa's voice carries the warmth he feels, a rising swell of pride at Hitoshi's maturity and composure in recognizing the smart thing to do. Assuming Awaya is free, and Hitoshi understands that his talking to her means in a counseling sense, and not a trying-to-catch-her-up one. Although, in all likelihood, Hitoshi would probably try to pull off both, and might even manage it so many years from now. For now, the precocious teen just walks the familiar route with Aizawa up to Awaya's office, Tom appealing away from them without, without more than a weary pat of Aizawa's arm, like he'd curl up in a lap and go to sleep like the spoiled house cat he deserves to be after today. It occurs to Aizawa very suddenly that Hitoshi isn't the only one who could probably use a little therapy with the mystical doctor, Awaya. There's no sign on Awaya's office door, and when Aizawa gently wraps his knuckles against it, her sonorous, Enter! rings like a bell tinkling behind a shop door. Aizawa opens the door and steps into Awaya's cloister of calming pastels, where she sits tucked away, behind her desk, at the far end of a room, attending to another of her trusty notebook, and looking like some enigmatic creature they're courting favor from on a terribly long-winded quest. Her long hair is tucked up in a bun today, like Aizawa's is still half-heartedly attempting to be, and there's an ornamental set of sticks protruding from the back, just visible with her head tilted down to the page. Ah, my two favorite students. Awaya says, without looking up, and it makes Aizawa wonder if she can sense them by their mentalist energies alone. Aizawa would certainly be able to pick Hitoshi's particular signature out of a thousand, like the cry of a penguin just knows is their lost chick among the windswept flock. And Awaya is an empathetic, empath and Awaya is an empathic mentalist of considerable, po considerable power, who can perhaps read them by de deduction of their state like knowing the model from looking at a mold. She keeps writing and simply remarks, How are you, Hitoshi? As if she both cares and is ready to listen to that answer. Oh, I've never been better, Hitoshi purrs with all those defenses pulled up high. Did they tell you about him? There's only one him where these two are concerned and it's natural that it's the first thing Hitoshi asks about. I was... notified, yes. Aizawa replies, Awaya replies frostily, finally looking up from her page to fix a gaze on Hitoshi that's practically in mourning garb. There's certainly enough for victims of Dr. Shinso to grieve over right now. Would you like to talk about it? Not about that, Hitoshi replies just as icily but he still walks the length of Awaya's office and flops into her chair like a cat returning to a favored spot. But we've done a lot of messed up shit today, finding all his victims, you know? To her credit, Awaya's face is unchanging, not even a flicker of a reaction in that unbreakable ceramic mask she finishes with a perfect glaze of makeup. I'm sorry to hear that. The next target of Awaya's gaze which lifts like a beam of light concentrated through a magnifying glass, is Aizawa skulking at the back of the room. And all things considered, the look on her face is far from pleasant. 
Are you leaving? If Awaya had a quirk like Kiki's, Aizawa feels like he'd have gotten a mental slap around the face about now. Fair punishment for putting Hitoshi through this. He doesn't blame Awaya, or anyone who holds him responsible for damage done to his intern in Aizawa's particular line of work. Awaya's suggestion alone is enough to make Aizawa realize that his being here is in the way. Becoming a part of Hitoshi's life, especially so much and so all at once, means that Aizawa needs to remember to step away sometimes. Give the boy room to breathe. Of course, Aizawa replies humbly, watching as Hitoshi turns to fire a parting glance at him, the sudden re realization of his safety net leaving. At least while he's in this office, Hitoshi is certainly safe from the worst his father can do. Awaya has made sure of it. How long do you need? Call it an hour, Awaya answers with the careful touch of an exquisite flower arrangement. Every light intonation and meaning master-crafted from only the freshest cut blooms, assembled at their most beautiful, and doomed to wilt and die. Then I'll see you both later. There's an overprotective beast inside Aizawa that chomps at the bit as he makes himself walk back out the door. The one that doesn't believe Hitoshi is safe, unless he's no further away than the length of Aizawa's arm. But fanning the embers of those instincts won't do either of them much good. And seeing as it was all Aizawa's, and seeing this was all Aizawa's idea in the first place, approved by Hitoshi's mother no less, he can't quibble it now, just because it feels vulnerable leaving Hitoshi one place while Aizawa goes another. Later, teach. Hitoshi calls back comfortably, and it's a tiny bit more bearable after that. Aizawa is at least aware that the sick, scared feeling in his chest right now is no more than his own demon of stress banging against the bony bars of its cage, making Aizawa feel like everything except total control is a liability he must eliminate, and that little gremlin shouldn't become anyone else's problem. So Aizawa doesn't let any of his fear or panic into his voice, and replies with the casual, See ya, kid. Aizawa takes himself down a hallway paved with tired carpet and walls of chipped paint in complementary shades of gray, feeling the pull of that Shinso effect like a bungee hooked to the back of his head. But even when snapping back to Hitoshi feels like the most irrationally right and necessary thing in the world right now, Aizawa knows better and has enough power over his instincts to make the right choices. He walks away, if only for now. Not wanting to stray far, Aizawa goes as far as the shabby police break room, empty except for a few empty containers and wrappers scattered on the tables. The humming row of vending machines purr like a great robotic cat, and Aizawa's only got half a hunch, but suffice to say, when he reaches for the top of the machines and lifts himself up, He's not all that surprised to see Tama curled up at the back. One yellow eye opens a sliver at Aizawa's intrusion, then closes again as the wearied officer says, Get your own spot, eraser. Well, that won't do. Aizawa might just be needy, aching without Hitoshi's reassuring nearness and missing Hizashi like a phantom limb as his stress level climbs. So it's not the typical sort of response but Aizawa still feels like it's the bare necessity to reply, Didn't you say we could spoon? 
and not really be joking. Thomas' lone eye opens again. Are you for real? Aizawa's hair is still in a bun that's more messy than bun at this point, but it does hold the longer topknot parts of his hair off his face enough to make the rising of a single eyebrow much impactful. Are you seriously asking me? Tama watches Aizawa a moment longer, probably reflecting on some of the length, probably reflecting on some of the lengths Aizawa has been known to go to when it comes to grabbing a catnap. Good point. Tama's eye closes again, which Aizawa takes as a cue to start climbing the rest of the way up into the alcove. There's still a few of there's still a few letters of Dr. Shinso's old fan mail scattered across the bolted-together metal sheets that top the vending machines, which vibrate at a frequency just low enough to be soothing, especially to anyone who could use a bit of not quite white, but maybe gray noise to blot out the ability to think for a while. Because sometimes talking problems out is the right way to seek comfort, but other times it's just shutting up and being comfortable, comforted anyway. Aizawa and Tama don't need to explain to each other why they've had a fucking horror of a day. Understand perfectly why instead of going back over that vivisection, like there's any good to come from reflecting on shitty day was shitty, they can just curl up and let it all be for a little while. If Tama didn't want Aizawa there, he'd have said something already, and the pussycat's single spying eye is closed when Aizawa finishes clambering up into the space and rolls onto his side. It's a simple fact of logistics that the closer Aizawa lays to the front of the edge of the vending machines, the easier, the easier he is to be mistaken for a homeless man trying to sleep in a police station break room. Again. Therefore, it's rational that Aizawa slides as far as possible, shuffling for the wall until he hits the only thing between him and it. When Aizawa bumps him, Thomas shifts a little bit so they're more comfortably not quite touching, but the officer soon can't find anything not awkward to do with his arms. Eventually, Aizawa picks his head up in invitation, waiting for Thomas' hesitation to wear out before issuing a soft huff of relenting. Thomas stretches his arm out straight, offering up a conveniently comfortable pillow for Aizawa's neck as he lays himself back down to rest. Aizawa moves a little bit in the premise of getting more comfortable, and does, just also getting that bit closer to Tama again, until it's merely good sense that Tama rests his other arm over Aizawa's side. Hizashi says Aizawa is a great body pillow, and has certainly humped him enough to make the point seem pretty indisputable. Everyone has hidden talents, and one of Aizawa's happens to be a certain cuddliness. This is probably why it's not more than a couple of minutes before Tama has given up any premise of not committing to the role of the big spoon, his top side arm slipping further around Aizawa to hold him almost tight enough to feel safe, just for a while. There's a rush of warm air on the back of Aizawa's neck, and Tama says, You smell like perfumed garbage. Hisashi's shampoos are great. He pays what, 10,000 yen for a bottle? but they aren't so good as to override the smell of crawling around in an actual garbage chute less than an hour ago. So Aizawa just sighs himself into sleep with a breathy, It's a long story.